Hey there, everyone. Thanks for being here this weekend, and uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, if you're tuning in online right now, if you're watching this later, I'm glad that we can be connected, that we can uh, go through this series together. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. I get to work with our life groups, and I'm excited to be finishing out this series that we're in on the gospel. So we've been covering this over the past couple of weeks, um, how the gospel is uh, more than what you would think it is, uh, the message of Jesus. And we've been covering it now for about six weeks. And so uh, if you've been tracking along, that's great. Um, You can find those conversations on our app. You can find them online on YouTube. And uh, I would encourage you to dial into those if uh, you haven't been following along, if you missed one, uh, because this is such a crucial conversation. The gospel really is uh, foundational to everything that we do. And so I'm glad to uh, be wrapping it up and uh, excited for where we're going uh, today. And so we've been uh, just explaining what the gospel is. It's just a Greek word, and the word means good news or to announce good news, the noun, the verb of it. And uh, you find this in Greek context outside of the Bible, but within the biblical story, um, and specifically with Jesus, he is the good news. The story of Jesus uh, is the gospel, And uh, even more specifically what that story is, we've been dialing into Romans 5.8 to kind of just give us a short summary of what the gospel is. And Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so before we believe the gospel, before we become a follower of Jesus, the Bible is also very clear that we're sinners. It would say that we're dead in sin. It would say that we're separated from God. And um, this is the position we enter into. And it's because of God, um, of, because of his love for us, that he enters into that condition and he does something about it. How do we, how do we know that God loves us? He demonstrated it by dying for us while we were still sinners before, uh, not because we got our lives together, not because of anything that we did on our own, but because of his own grace and love and mercy and movement toward us. And so uh, that's the good news. The good news is that God loves us and he wants to forgive us. He wants to uh, rescue us. He wants to free us. Um, But what does God want in response to that? What uh, is kind of God expecting? If he's moving toward us, how does he expect us to respond? We've also been in Matthew 22, where Jesus summarizes that response as, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And so what Jesus wants in response from you is not uh, for you to follow a bunch of rules, but he wants a relationship and so the gospel is more than just information. It's, it's transformation. It's something different than what you would expect it to be. And so we want to be careful that when we understand the gospel and we explain it, that uh, we don't become just familiar with it, or certainly that we don't um, embrace an incomplete gospel where it's only um, embracing certain aspects of, uh, of that transformation. We don't want it to stay compartmentalized. And so the question we've been asking throughout the series is, how does the gospel become um, spiritually embraced in my life? How does it become something that I experience um, at a real transformational level? And so what we've been doing is we've been walking through a gospel prayer. Uh, It's a four-part prayer, and it reads like this. 
It says, Jesus, grant me the faith to trust that there is nothing I can do that would make you love me more and nothing I have done that would make you love me less. Help me to allow your presence and approval to be all I need for the fulfillment of my soul and empower me to give my life to others with the same passion and the same depth that you gave your life to me. And as I learn to love you more and more deeply, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. And so we've gotten to walk through the first three parts of this prayer, that God's love for us, that gospel love is unconditional. It's not based on what we do or don't do. That God can give us a gospel fulfillment or satisfaction that the answer for our souls is found in God. And then as well in our relationships and our life with others, that the gospel can create a new cycle in our relationships instead of a retaliation cycle. We talked about that last week. The gospel brings a new way of life and relating to one another. So this week, we're going to finish up this gospel prayer, and we're going to end here on part four. And that says, as I learn to love you more and more deeply, I'll measure your compassion by the cross and your power by the resurrection. And this is a great place to, to wrap up the gospel player, a great place to land, um, because it's anchoring us back into uh, a key reality of the gospel itself. And so what, what we're saying here is that um, as we um, increase in our love for Jesus, the way that that happens is by understanding who God is and what he has done. What is being said here is that if we can understand who God is and what he's done, then our love for God will increase. We'll actually be able to do the command and the response that Jesus gave to us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. And where we see that here is that who God is and what he has done is anchored into the event of the cross and the resurrection. I, I know that God is compassionate because of what he's done. I, I know that God is powerful because of what he's done in the resurrection. That these become, uh, you call them an, an anchoring point, that maybe you call them the proof. It's the proof or the evidence that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. He has done it. Um, and so the cross and the resurrection become uh, the greatest display of his compassion and his power. Now, this is what's tricky about uh, the cross and the resurrection being the focal point of the gospel is because um, that happened over 2,000 years ago. So the, the event of Jesus dying on the cross and being raised to life three days later um, happened such a long time ago in, in history that it can begin to feel like an artifact. Do you know what an artifact is? That it, it feels like it has had application and purpose back then, but now it just kind of sits somewhere and doesn't have any relevance or purpose to my life right now. So that can be a challenge here with the gospel being anchored or being proven by an event that happened 2,000 years ago. And this is where it can really become a struggle that we're not just praying this gospel prayer, but that we want transformation to happen in our life. How do I experience transformation in my life when the very thing that's motivating and driving and enabling that to happen seems so distant and far back? 
And so we kind of want to address that today. We want to go back to, to the cross and the resurrection and understand it in its completeness. And uh, we want to see um, what it tells us today. And so uh, we could go in, in the Bible and we could find uh, the passages and the stories of when Jesus died on the cross. And there's plenty written on that. And we could go and look at the historical event of the resurrection and the eyewitnesses and all that. But the problem here is, is not that it happened we're not going to talk about today. The problem is the significance of it. So actually where I think a great place for us to go to understand the significance of the cross and the resurrection is when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And so maybe you're familiar with this. If you grew up reading the Bible or going to church, maybe you've heard of the Lord's Prayer. It shows up in Matthew 6. And we're not going to uh, go through the whole prayer. The point is uh, for me to highlight one thing that Jesus says in that prayer that I believe explains uh, what the cross and the res resurrection mean for us today. And so if you know the prayer, it starts off this way. It starts with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think this helps explain the significance of the cross and the resurrection. And if I'm just like, sending you all over the place, stick with me for a minute. And um, I want to explain how I think these two things connect. And so what Jesus is saying is, he's teaching his disciples how he prays. The way Jesus prayed was, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This isn't just a prayer for the disciples. It is that but it's, it's how he lives his life. It's how he interacts with God the Father. And what Jesus understood was that the Father's kingdom and the Father's will was driving him to do something here on earth that was needed and necessary. And so uh, we can kind of break this down a little bit, what we mean by heaven and earth. And so if you study these words in the Bible, you'll find that most often what they mean, uh, heaven means God's space and earth means our space. And uh, not by design, but by default, these spaces are separated. This is not how God intended it. This is not how God wants it. Uh, it's not how we want it either, but humans have opted out of being in God's space, or at least they um, have done enough to be, uh, not be able to enter God's space because of his perfection, because of his holiness. But again, this isn't the design. This isn't the intent. And it's uh, God's compassion and his power um, this separation is what makes it feel like a distant reality. It doesn't feel like we can experience God's compassion. It doesn't feel like we can experience his power in our life because our realms, our spaces are separated. Whether by choice we live for our own kingdom and our own will, or whether just a lack of seeing where God could even show up in our lives, these spaces seem distant separated and impossible to bridge. And so this is where the cross and resurrection come into the story. So what Jesus was doing was he was becoming a bridge between these two spaces. That what Jesus was, was he was moving toward, he was, he was actually fulfilling the prayer he was telling them to pray because he was bringing God's kingdom, because he was bringing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And so this tells us what the cross and the resurrection are the proof of. They're the proof and, and the potential 
for God, his space to enter into our space, for us to experience him, for that relationship to be made possible, for us to know what it's like to interact with God and to experience his compassion and his power in our lives. And so not only is God's uh, love and compassion valid, he, he proved it by laying down his life for us, paying the ultimate cost so that uh, because of his love, he laid down his life. So his love and compassion are valid, but his, his power is adequate for him, for him to break the barrier and to come into our space to bridge the gap. God's power is more than adequate to make that mending possible for our spaces to interact again. And what does this say about God's love and power in your life personally? What this tells us is that the gospel prayer is true. The gospel prayer is true for you, that God does love you unconditionally before you could do anything wrong or right. He moved towards you that the satisfaction for our soul, what we're longing for is that those, those divides could be bridged with our creator and that for everything that's broken here relationally, the gospel offers the solution to break that cycle of sin and brokenness in our relationships and in our world. So that's incredible. This, this is like, that's why I thought this connected. Like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, the cross and the resurrection are answering that prayer. But then why does Jesus tell us to pray it afterward? Why does he tell us to continue to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? I think it's because we now, because of what Christ has done for us, in us, we now begin to um, see this work out as it's transforming our life. It transforms the world around us. So we don't just pray differently. We don't just understand God differently. Those things are true. We know who God is because of Christ and we know um, how to interact with him and that the, the bridge has been uh, made. But we live differently too. That because of Jesus, we now measure our lives. We, we measure why we're here because of what we've seen him do through the cross and through the res resurrection. We become people of God's compassion and of God's power in our everyday lives. And so we adopt the prayer. <laughs> we, we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray and we become active participants in the mission of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're, we're a part of the answer to that prayer because of what uh, Jesus has done first. And so I think we could, we could say this about how these things connect. Um, I think we could say that God through the gospel is always taking me somewhere. God through the gospel is always taking me somewhere. So the gospel isn't just an artifact. It's, it's not just a historical event that has no relevance to my life today, 2,000 years later. It is the evidence of, of the present reality of it in my life. It, it is not as far off as it, as it seems because the same need that I have today, the same uh, thing that Jesus has called me to, the same way uh, that I'm trying to bridge the gap between my world and my life and God's space, who is my creator and my savior, is the same. 
It's the evidence that this is a present reality in my life. And so when the realities of God's compassion and power are embraced in my life, it begins to do something through my life that is truly incredible. The, the gospel isn't just for me anymore. It's, it's not just that I've been unconditionally loved. I have been. It's not just that uh, the, the God can fulfill and satisfy my soul. He does. It's not just that my relationships could be mended and hold because of the gospel. It's that through me, God wants to do something more. He wants to do something um, through me. And so your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, that part of the prayer does not mean, okay, God, if you want to do that, go ahead. <laughs> That isn't like a, if you'd like to, I think that'd be great as well. The prayer is, God, I know you have begun to do this because of the evidence of the cross and the resurrection. And God, would you allow me to be a vessel for your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am, I am a part of answering that prayer. He, God has done it. He is doing it. And so we must remember to anchor back into the cross and the resurrection so we can experience the kingdom of God now, so we can experience his will now, so we can experience life with God now. And when I'm anchored in the gospel, when I actually see those events that happened 2,000 years ago as present and relevant, I now begin to understand the full scope of what God wants to do in my life. It, God's taking me somewhere. I now look at my life and and. I, I see it be enlarged because of what all God possibly could do through his compassion, through his power, however he wants to bring his kingdom here through me. I actually now can uh, right-size my life. I can, I can see the scope of what God wants to do and not miss out and narrow it down to simply what I can see in my limited understanding or my own limited will. And so bringing God's kingdom and seeing life transformation and making a difference in the world for Jesus, that is directly connected to our understanding of the cross and the resurrection. Does that make sense? The way that Paul would write this in the book of Galatians, how this has been so transformational for him as he would write it this way. He would say, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the way that Paul understands himself in relationship to Jesus is he's saying, I no longer live. The, the life that I had back then, I'm actually freed from that. The cross and the resurrection are still freeing people people are still experiencing God's compassion and power in their lives. And that we're freed from our past, our sin, our failure. And he's saying that Christ lives in me, that the way he understands the scope of his life and what God wants to do, it's a present reality that changes everything that he's doing. And Christ doesn't just naturally begin to operate in our life. Do you see what Paul's saying here? He's saying, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's living by faith in what has been done through Jesus. He's living by faith in the compassion of the cross and the power of the resurrection. It's not an ambiguous faith. It's because he's been loved 
and he gave himself for me. And so we have to be careful that we, we don't treat the, the cross and the resurrection as artifacts, as, as past tense, as historical realities. They are, I mean, it is an event that really happened. This, we are not claiming that this is a uh, spiritual reality, that we just think this would be a great idea or we'll just pretend like it happened in an ambiguous way. We believe this is a real event that has implications for our lives today. And it's a matter of living our new life by faith. And I think that's how we know where God wants to take us. We understand that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in me and I will live by faith in who I know he is and what I know that he's done. The cross and the resurrection are nothing less than an invitation into the heart and into the life of God. We don't want to diminish that. We don't want to make the gospel or, or life in the gospel anything less than that, anything less than an invitation into the very heart and life of God. And so without understanding and anchoring ourselves in the cross and resurrection, I think it's impossible. It's, it's impossible for us to live the kind of life that Jesus called us to without being anchored and embedded in the realities of what Jesus has done. I, don't, I, don't, I think we're going to fall short every time by what Jesus is calling us to if, if we embed ourselves in something different or something less than what we're talking about here. And so you may ask yourself questions like this. Is the gospel what I truly believe and experience or, or is it just an artifact? Is it just ancient history? Does it make an actual difference in my life? Do you bring something into your relationships and into the world around you that only the gospel could bring? Or do you just live life the way everyone else does? Is there anything distinct about what you bring into the world, the way that you are living your life, that, that is imprinted on the gospel, the, the cross and the resurrection? Let's make sure we're making that connection clear. Do I actually want God's kingdom to come and his will be done in every part of my life or is that just a nice prayer? So I'm not trying to tear us down. I'm not trying to make you doubt your relationship with God. I'm trying to help us see that we, we have to overcome this, this gap here, that, that we, we can't find ourselves anchoring our relationship with God in anything else other than who Jesus is and what he's done. And we, and we gotta kind of evaluate that for ourselves we got to evaluate if that feels like a distant reality or a present reality. And it should be a present reality because Jesus has made that possible. That's why this whole measuring conversation that we measure God's compassion appropriately, that we measure his power appropriately is so significant because our souls are longing for love and significance. We're, we're longing to understand why we're here and what for. I think only the gospel can answer that. If you, if you feel like there's a disconnect there, you might ask this question, have I measured the gospel in my relationship with God by something else? D did I miss it? D did I settle for less? Did I embrace a counterfeit gospel or an, or an incomplete gospel? Has it been founded on something other than who Jesus is and what he has done through the cross and resurrection? Usually what happens in these alternative gospels is we end up thinking that the life God wants for us um, 
is anything less than him being a part of our daily existence. We end up thinking that it's some kind of religion or, or morality or some kind of duty that we have to perform. But th- those things don't actually motivate us to live the life that God called us to live. That any gospel that omits God from the course of our daily existence is, is less than helpful. It's, it's the wrong invitation. Dallas Willard, he, would, um, he, he wrote this in a book. He would say it's like we're flying upside down. That we, we come into this world and we're trying to make sense of everything. And we're trying to get our bearings and make sense of the world and make sense of ourselves. And, and we're all flying upside down. And it's not until we see the gospel that we begin to fly right side up. that nothing else can really explain the way life ought to be other than the cross. That, the, that we're separated from God, that we have a deeper longing and the only way that it can be bridged is by him coming to us, not us finding him. It, life doesn't make sense until we, we understand why, why does everything seem so hard in life when we, we realize when we're operating outside of God's power, we're, we're living for ourselves. We're living outside of his design and intent. We can get familiar with the gospel. We can forget it. And we can end up looking for someone else, for somewhere else. That's kind of what it seems like. When our world is upside down, we'll look any, for anything. We'll look anywhere for something to become our bearings. We'll look for something that makes sense. We'll look for something that will make our world right side up. And nothing is comprehensive or adequate enough for, for your soul as a human being except for the gospel. Only the gospel can answer those questions. And so this, this is what I think is ironic. The very thing that we think is archaic and outdated and relevant, the cross and the resurrection, those things are actually what explain all of our purpose and meaning that the thing we're going to be tempted to feel like doesn't have any relevance to us today actually has the utmost relevance. It's what makes us fly right side up. It's not archaic. It's not irrelevant. I don't need to look anywhere else in the world other than the gospel. Even if I know these truths about the gospel, um, I know them to be true. The solution that I need is not to, to move on to something else or that I didn't get my bearings right. Our bearings are right. We, we have laid out here what the gospel is and uh, explained what, what it is we're doing here, how we reunite with our creator, what we were designed for, life with God. What we actually need to do is we need to understand the gospel more deeply. And so there's actually one other prayer. I know we've been doing a lot of prayers. We've got the gospel prayer, the, the Jesus' prayer. There's one um, other part in Ephesians that I was reading this week. I just feel like it explains so well what it means to connect these gospel realities to the present, to my everyday life, to the tangible. And so in Ephesians, Paul again, he prays this way. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, this is God the Father, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. 
And so we're supposed to have Christ dwell in our hearts through faith. We're supposed to be rooted and established in his love. That Jesus and what he has done, his, his power and his love and compassion are things that are supposed to become the determining factor of my life. That maybe the breakdown is because I, I haven't allowed the gospel to, to move into every part of my life yet. The way he would say it down here is his prayer is not that they don't know the love of, of Christ, not that, not that they don't understand this, but that they, they, they would understand it more. They haven't yet understood the width and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Jesus. That they can't possibly comprehend, maybe they, they can't possibly exhaust God's love for them and God's power in their life. They can't comprehend it. The, the prayer is for them to comprehend it more. The problem is that they haven't gone deeper into the gospel. That these realities would become present. They wouldn't be past tense. They wouldn't just be information. That he prays for them, that he prays it into their life and through their life. The uh, prayer continues and to, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So this is cool. Because again, just like how we can't exhaust or comprehend Christ's love for us, he's saying that we underestimate what God wants to do in our lives. He's saying the problem isn't that you overestimate what God wants to do in your life. The problem is that he wants to do immeasurably more than all you can ask or imagine, and we've sold him short. That the scope of what God can do or wants to do in our life, the shortcoming is, is our perspective, is, is a lack of adequate understanding of what God possibly could do. We've measured God's compassion by something else other than the cross. We've measured his power by something other than the resurrection and we've diminished it so that we don't see its full transformational power in our lives. It's crazy. And I think it's something we can begin to fix. You know, he's, he's calling out, he's praying that we would see that we can't overestimate God's love and, and power. We can't overestimate it. That we can right-size our prayers and our life and our ambition to God's kingdom, to God's will, to the power and compassion of the gospel that we've seen in Jesus. It's what makes being in an upside-down world right-side up. Now we get it. All of a sudden we wonder why we keep falling short and why our agenda doesn't seem to be pressed forward and why our circumstances and our desires are always let down. And all of a sudden we realize everything is right side up when we see things the way God sees it. When we get on mission with him, when we begin to desire that our hearts would be united with him, that, the, that your greatest longing and purpose is fulfilled and knowing that Jesus Christ has made a way for you to be known by the Father and to interact with him. And you have purpose and meaning and mission for your life here on earth. But it's easy. I mean, th this is a prayer written for, for all of us. This isn't like just one church that got it wrong. This is like, I feel that. I underestimate God all the time. And it's especially hard when my circumstances lead me to believe that his compassion and power aren't relevant. Like during a pandemic, right? Right? <laughs> 
When you're isolated and confused and cluttered and fatigued and just wondering what is going on, it feels upside down. We don't know where to find our bearings. And it seems like the last place that we would find our bearings is in an event that happened 2,000 years ago. I'm actually, I feel like I've had a little bit of PTSD as some of the regulations have been coming out, some of the new protocols. And I've been trying to like, remembering what it was like back in March when I first got the news. Let me tell you uh, the story of what it was like for my family to find out that we were entering a pandemic. So um, we were expecting our our third child, our daughter Haven, um, earlier this year. And so um, she was supposed to be born at the end of March, but she came like four weeks early, which was awesome. Like we got out of the hospital and uh, the pandemic had not happened yet. And um, I was single dadding it a little bit with three kids under five and trying to take care of my wife. And normally she's the one who makes everything happen. And now I somehow have to figure out how to run the dishwasher and do everything. Um, And it was a rough first week. I mean, it was awesome to be on paternity leave, to be home, but like, I'm trying to figure all that out and I'm like extra taxed. And we get to that Thursday. That's our life group night. Um, I was excited. I was going to take, take the boys and we were going to go to life group and uh, she was just going to stay home with Haven and give her a break a little bit. Well, that afternoon I got a call from uh, my boss, Pastor Nate. And uh, he's like, hey, how's paternity leave? I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm tired. And he's like, well, just so you know, um, we, Jeff's about to send out a video saying like, we are not having in-person services this weekend. Like, and you need to like, begin to get the life group leaders to start figuring out like to shut down. And I'm like, okay, um, I guess we'll do it. We're in a pandemic, like what's going on? He's like, coronavirus, it's gonna be big. Just wait till you hear about it. Um, so I've been like isolated in paternity leave. And uh, I spent all afternoon crafting this email, trying to get like questions answered, other life group leaders on board. And then I went to my life group that night. I'm like already exhausted. I'm supposed to like now answer all of their questions. What are we gonna do? I'm like, I haven't really figured it out for anyone else yet either. So I've just was trying to figure out how to change two sets of diapers in my house. So um, I don't really know. And so we had that life group and it was really heavy. And well, what are we gonna do? And talking about moving to Zoom. And so of course I was out late that night talking with everyone, came home. And the kids are somehow still energized, probably from snacks at Life Group. And I'm trying to just put them to bed and I'm spent. I've been doing paternity leave, you know, all week. My Thursday has been, apparently now there's a pandemic and apparently I don't know what my role is gonna be like at Grace or what Life Groups are gonna be like or even my own family. And uh, if you know anything about my routine with um, my my boys before I put them to bed, uh, one of the last things I tell them before, I leave and tuck him in, is I say, um, you'll always be my son. I say, why do I love you? Because you're my son and you will always be my son. And just for some reason, I don't know, maybe pure exhaustion, um, I added something at the end of my nighttime routine. And what I added was, uh, I was talking with Silas, he's our five-year-old. And I said, in one day, Silas, um, you will make a decision to follow Jesus and you will be God's son forever. And it wasn't that powerful. I was probably like, in one day, Silas, you know, I was probably exhausted. And uh, I was like about to leave the room. And he's like, 
yeah, dad, I want to make that decision. And like, I'm a little nervous. He's a pastor's kid. I don't want to like pressure him too much. I'm like, that's great, buddy. One day you will make that decision. And I was still over by his bed and he like kind of leans into me and he's like, no, dad, I want to make that decision. I'm like, oh, this is clicking for you. And so I asked him to get out of bed and came downstairs and Sarah's like, what's going on? I'm like, apparently our son wants to decide to follow Jesus. So we talk him through the gospel. We talk him through his sin, being separated from God. We explain the cross, that Jesus loved him, moved toward him. And we explain the power of the resurrection, that Jesus is alive now and that he can follow him for the rest of his life. And my five-year-old understood that. And we prayed with him that night. And it was awesome. (laughs) We were so excited to have that conversation with him. And over the next few weeks on Zoom with our life group, or uh, my mom came to help uh, with the kids at home. Like we just got to tell relatives and friends. We actually had Silas tell them. And he was nervous at first, but excited to let them know. And as I've been having all this PTSD about what may happen next, God reminded me that the first night of the pandemic, he decided to do that. He decided to do that. And I get it. It was rough. It it still is rough. I'm not trying to diminish how hard it's been. I'm just trying to say that if God wants to do that and he'll use a pandemic to do it, by all means, do whatever you want, God. He wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And if we're not ready, if we're not measuring who God is and his compassion by the cross, we're not measuring his power by the resurrection, we're going to let what's going on in our world dictate what God can and cannot do, where his compassion can and cannot reach, what his power can and cannot change. And that's complete garbage. And my five-year-old son is a living testimony to that, that God wanted to use one of the, the craziest circumstances I've ever been in. He wanted to start that with, watch what I can do. And it's been crazy. And I bet there's other things that God has done in your life, that he has revealed his compassion, that he's revealed his power in your life. And, and the world's just so chaotic right now, you're missing it. You're missing it. You have the cross and the resurrection, but he keeps doing that kind of thing over and over and over and over again in your life. We're coming up on Thanksgiving, right? Don't miss it. Go back to the cross and the resurrection. Pray deeply into the gospel, but look for evidence of what God is doing right now. How his compassion is still working. How his power is still changing how he wants to use you. God wants to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine. And when we, when we think, when we're done and we think God's done, whenever we hit our limit, whenever we don't understand why anymore, whenever we think there's nothing good that could possibly come from this or where has God even gone? We always come back to the gospel. We measure his compassion by the cross and his power by the resurrection. This is why we pray his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, whatever it takes and whatever it costs, you can use my life however you want to to bring your kingdom and your will right here with what little influence I have, with what little I have to give, 
You can use all of it. You can have all of it. And so here at the end of the series on the gospel, we got to kind of slow down a little bit. We got to slow down and process it and, and receive the gospel, right? Because we've just prayed that we're going to uh, think immeasurably less of what God can do in our lives, not immeasurably more. And so we got to kind of settle down and slow down and receive the gospel. Maybe you're sitting here tonight and the gospel feels like an artifact. It feels like a historical event that doesn't have any present implications in your life. Or maybe you just never thought of it that way. Maybe you're familiar with the gospel. Maybe this is an awesome conversation for you that's bringing up a whole bunch of new stuff. I would encourage you to not become familiar with it, to not feel distant from it because it is a present reality to be experienced now. That you should consider the gospel in your own heart. That God's compassion and power has been proven and ask yourself, am I grounded in the gospel right now? Don't overlook the cross and the resurrection. Ask that question, have I measured my relationship with God by something else? This would be a great series for your life to be changed, for you to finally understand that it's, it's Jesus. And maybe you're in a position where you're afraid of what God has set before you. It may be circumstantial, it may be relationships, it may be something you feel him pressing and calling you to do. And you doubt that he can do immeasurably more. Or you at least don't see how he could do anything through it. Maybe you feel insignificant and inadequate and lesser. I would encourage you to measure God by who he is and what he's done. I would encourage you to still pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Whatever you wanna do, God, I'll go. I'll go, you can do immeasurably more than what I could ask or imagine than what I could think. Would you allow him to do that in your life? I encourage you, don't miss it. I would not have wanted to miss that moment with Silas. I wouldn't have wanted to miss it. That was the only moment that mattered. And so we're gonna take some time now to pray through this gospel prayer. We've been doing that at the end of each service and as you pray through this last part, I just encourage you to align yourself with who God is and what he's done, what he's doing now, that you would see his compassion, that you'd see his power, that you'd ask him to do whatever he wants to do and, uh, and worship him. Just lean back into the gospel. See him for who he really is and, and what he's done and what he wants to do. So I'll invite the band out and we can pray together. Father, thank you for your love and compassion through the cross, that you would lay your life down for people who were broken and separated from you. And God, thank you for your power through the resurrection, that through Jesus, you have defeated death and that you have come into our world and there is nothing you can't do even if we don't see it yet, even if we don't understand God. We pray that now we would look towards your kingdom, we would look towards your will, that we would want everything that you want to have happen here in our space, that we would move closer to you, God, that you would do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Would you help us in this room right now to embrace the gospel? Jesus and Jesus alone. 
that we would measure your compassion by the cross, that we would measure your power by the resurrection, that we would fall deeper and deeper in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen.